to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. Hey, what's up, everybody? Ted Shuttlesworth back on the podcast with you again today. It's Worship Wednesday. And um, I have a question that uh, actually was written in. We got somebody writing in questions. We've been having a lot of people sending us uh, topics and saying, could you do this? Could you do this, this? And today we're going to do one of those um, because it really was something I struggled with when I was a uh, music director and a worship leader. And I thought this would be a great one. As you saw from the title, it's a very practical uh, topic to do for the podcast. And so I want to jump into that today. I want to talk about five effective ways to intro new songs to your church, five effective ways to intro new songs to your church. And I really believe all five of these things will help you um, really just successfully launch like how I broke, broke that up. Like I can't really speak successfully launch, uh, new songs in your congregation. And uh, before we jump in, let me say, if you haven't gotten a chance to yet, do me a favor, share the broadcast, share the podcast. Um, you know, and I say the broadcast, I'm getting confused because we've been doing Facebook lives in the morning and podcasts, but I do want to say, I'm not going to tell you what it is, but I found another tool that would actually help me to do um, live podcast episodes. So we might do that in the future where it's almost more of an interactive podcast, where as I'm giving you a podcast episode, you could be live listening and then writing comments that I could answer like on the fly. That'd be a really cool thing to do. So I'm developing that at the moment about what would be the best way Maybe we could do like one a month or something, which I think would be really cool. But I'll tell you more as I move closer to it and I I get more of a handle on the technology because I'm researching the app right now and I have it. It's really cool. I'm just trying to find the best way to do it. But I'd like to do an interactive podcast, which would be like a broadcast, but audio only with those of you that listen. And maybe once a month we could do an interactive one where it's a and a or something like that. But You know, if you're interested in something like that, shoot me a message and let me know uh, and we can move that direction. But I think it would be really cool and really engaging. But having said that, share the podcast today on social media. And I appreciate all of you guys that are doing that, tagging me in it, letting all new people see, uh, you know, the podcast and what we're doing every single week. So I really hope that these have been a a blessing to you, that you're enjoying them. Um, I enjoy doing them. And uh, all this stuff for me is... Uh, you know, very interesting. If you know me, you know, I'm an information overload kind of guy. I love learning new things, studying new things, and I love bringing new info to you guys to help you. And I believe that we are helping and strengthening you guys that are in the ministry. Plus, thank you for uh, sending me questions and messages. People are even uh, writing me back on Anchor, you know, and I'm getting voice messages from people on Anchor. Um, so thank you. Keep doing that. I love to talk to you guys and interact with you and in any way that I can help you, I'm happy to do so. So thanks for sharing it today. It's going to be a good one. Let's jump in five effective ways to intro new songs to your church or congregation. If you're the music director, this was the question, how do I, you know, 
how do I properly introduce new songs to the church? You know, maybe you just became the worship leader too, you know, at your church and it's a, an old, maybe it's an older congregation or maybe it's one of those congregations that's more traditional. You know, you've started out more traditionally and now you're trying to bring new stuff in or, you know, whatever it might be. I think these five will apply to no matter what the situation is, it would definitely help you introduce new songs. Um, the first thing I would say is this. Number one, the first thing you want to do when properly introducing new songs to the congregation is get the pastor's approval. You know, there's obviously there's different styles of leadership and not every pastor leads or manages the same way. And you got to flow with whatever your pastor does. You know, that's that's number one. You know, maybe your pastor is not an extremely hands-on guy when it comes to you know, what's happening in the music and worship department. It's just kind of like, hey, as long as we got music, I'm good to go. And, you know, thanks for it. But maybe he's one of those guys that is extremely theme driven or vision driven. Um, You know, that needs to be addressed because I truly believe that as the pastor is the leadership of the church, he is the head of that body of believers that God has placed there that I'm sure he has a vision and a plan for what God has spoken to him. And as worship leaders, we are submitted to the authority of the senior pastor of the church. You know, we're not the head. We don't make the decisions. Uh, They do. So um, the reason I say number one is obtain the pastor's approval is because you want to make sure that, that whatever song you're singing, although it may be a Christian song, you want to make sure that it, um, you know, it sparks the spirit of the minister that's the head of your church. And that's a very important principle, actually. I don't think, sadly, I don't think a lot of people realize how important of a principle this is, but I'm going to explain why it is. Um, Obviously, the number one priority in your church is that the word goes forth effectively, right? So uh, unless the word goes forth, you know, the spirit can't manifest properly. People can't be convicted to be saved. You know, Romans chapter 10, you know, how will they be saved unless they hear a preacher? I mean, it's, it's baseline stuff. So unless the word is properly going forth, you know, the spirit manifests his power based on the word that's going forth. So our jobs Uh, and maybe I could do a whole separate podcast episode on this, but our job as music directors is to prepare the atmosphere properly so that the word can go forth. You know, setting the atmosphere so that there's expectancy, miracles, excitement for God to move, that's what we're there to do. We're actually there so that we can guide people through God's system and order. You know, you've heard me talk about this in previous episodes that God has an order. God has a system. Come into his gates with thanksgiving, into his courts with praise, and then the holy of holies, which we would consider maybe worship or manifestation, that's the final place. But you can't just jump in there. You have to go through thanksgiving, number one, and then praise. As music directors, part of our job is guiding God's people through his order. So you're actually helping people to get into the position to receive the word, get it, getting their heart to not be, I've done, I've done writing and podcasts on this, getting their heart to go from being thorny ground that's filled with the cares of this world and through praise, bringing joy so that they become good ground that can produce fruit with the word they receive. So that's part of our job. So understanding that 
when we introduce new songs, getting the pastor's approval is a vital thing because we want to make sure that what we're singing and what we're doing is actually going to spark his spirit. How are we going to spark his spirit? I'll say, why does it matter if his spirit sparked? It matters because it's a principle that the men of God actually um, are, I'm trying to think of the best word to use here. The men of God are stirred up or you know, invigorated by the praise and the worship that we released. It's actually, um, a, it's like a prophetic principle from the old, uh, Testament. And I'll, and I'll, I'll, I'll actually take you there. You know, I want to take you there so that you can see it. Cause I don't want you to just take my word for it. Um, but in the old Testament, the Bible says when the prophet was ready to, prophesy, right? Um, and if you want the actual reference for it, it's second Kings chapter three. Uh, you could turn there if you wanted to second Kings chapter three, uh, very interesting story here. It's, it, you know, Jehoshaphat basically is trying to get a prophetic word and, uh, Elisha replies in verse 14 of, of 2 Kings 3, he says, As surely as the Lord Almighty lives whom I serve, I wouldn't even bother with you except for my respect for King Jehoshaphat of Judah. Now look at verse 15. But now bring me someone who can play the harp. Bring me someone who can play the harp. And while the harp was being played, the power of the Lord came upon Elisha. And in verse 16, he begins to prophesy. You see that? That's a principle. Elisha said, bring me someone who can praise the Lord. And when they brought him somebody who could praise the Lord, the Bible says that when that person began to praise through his gift, notice what happened. The prophet's spirit was sparked and he began to prophesy. So it's still a prophetic principle today. I mean, it happened in the Old Testament with David. That when he was called into the court of King Saul and he began to play his harp and he began to activate his gift, guess what happened? The spirit that troubled Saul's mind had to leave. So we can see that it's a principle that we can actually, by praise and by worship, spark the spirit of the leadership. And that's, you know, my father is a perfect example of that because he has a very specific style of music that sparks his spirit to get into the gift that God's placed in his ministry and life that he used that he uses my father in. So my father doesn't just his spirit's not activated or stirred up or energized by just any type of music, but it's that revival style, camp meeting style music that stirs my father's spirit. So I know that. So when I go to a place and and, and he's ministering, um you know, I, I don't just do any, any kind of music. You know, I just pick the latest songs that are on the radio and start playing those. No, I play what I know is going to spark his spirit. And here's how extreme I am with this principle. I'll go to churches and the songs that I know my dad likes, some of them are so old, nobody knows the song. But it's not really important that the people know the song or not. They can learn it. The important thing is that his spirit is sparked and energized so that he can step into his flow and into his gift. And when he does, then people will be changed because the prophet 
has his spirit energized by the praise and by the worship. So the number one, when I say that it's important to get the pastor's approval, if you've got a song you found that you think is awesome and cool and you think it sounds really great, if it doesn't spark the spirit of your leadership, there's no point in doing it. You know, and your pastor may be one that doesn't really care as much. That's, you know, that's case by case basis. You can determine that. But, you know, I'm just going to give you this. You know, even if you get introspective um, with yourself and say, even if he doesn't have any stipulations, it does this spark my spirit? You know, don't just introduce new songs to have new songs. When I hear this song, does it stir me to a new level? Does, does this song spark expectancy and, uh, you know, hunger in my spirit? Yeah, that's a sign. There are some songs that sound really great, but they don't have that ability to spark the, the supernatural side of you like others do. So if your pastor says he doesn't care and just kind of gives you the reins and says you just do whatever songs you feel, uh, then make sure it's a stipulation for you. Does this song spark my spirit? Does this song give me expectancy? Does it provoke my hunger? You know, and and definitely I would sit down with your pastor and talk to him about that. He, that we do that here at our home church. Uh, Miss Jenya, she will submit songs months ahead of time to Bishop Rick and say, is this something that you like? Is this something you feel in your spirit? And he can say yes. He may say no. And if he says no, they scrap the song. They don't do it. And if he says yes, they go after it. And so number one, get the pastor's approval for what you're getting ready to introduce. That is the foundational principle uh, for anything. And don't be offended if he says no, because guess what? You're not in charge. Well, this is my department of the church. No, this is not. You are just serving on a team under the overall um, headship or authority of the senior pastor. So if he says he doesn't like it, don't get offended. Might be your favorite song, your pet song. Don't get offended. Just do what sparks his spirit. Number two, the second effective way to introduce new songs is ensure that the song you're singing or the songs you choose are vision related. They're vision related. Well, what does that mean? Uh, and once again, this goes by leadership, but, um, you know, your pastor, especially if he's very vision driven and theme driven, and you've got a theme for your year, a prophetic theme for the church, a vision for the church, and you you have it printed up, it's on your advertisements, all that kind of stuff. If there's a theme your church is going with, like for example, this year at Abundant Life, our theme is beyond. And pastor, um, our Bishop Rick took that from Ephesians chapter three and verse 20. He spoke on it at our word of the Lord service. He declared the word of the Lord for the year for our house. And then, uh, you know, all the branding has gone that way. All of the planning has gone that way. And so as we think about that, what are we going to do to supplement um, what the Lord has spoken to him to do for this year. Well, part of it is even in the worship, they're going to go for songs that speak about uh, that theme, you know, and, and I encourage you to do the same. You know, if your pastor um, has something that he feels God's called him to do as, as part of his um, calling, focus on that. You know, if your, if your pastor speaks quite a lot on being baptized in the Holy Ghost, you need to find songs that are dealing with the Holy Ghost. If your pastor uh, often speaks on financial prosperity, overflow, abundance, you need to find songs that deal with the financial blessing of God and increase in favor. You need to deal with that. You know, no matter what, the, if, if, you're, if your pastor deals with healing quite a bit, find songs that talk about healing and do those. Let your songs, let your worship be vision related. Because, see, understand this. The more 
focused the presentation of what God's called your church to do is, the stronger it will be. Let me give you an example. Um, let's let's say you stood up next to, I mean, here's an example. A, a hammer and a pickaxe do very different things. You know, a sledgehammer versus a pickaxe. I could take, you know, a sledgehammer and hit hit a concrete wall. It may crack it. You know, something may fall out. I can keep hitting that that same wall with a pickaxe and that tiny little sharp point with the same force that a sledgehammer has is going to cause much more damage. And the reason is, is because all of the force I'm putting behind that swing is going to actually land on one tiny point of the wall and it's going to be more damaging instead of a big, huge surface of a sledgehammer. It'll still cause damage, but not in the same way. And so it's it's very important to understand that if you'll focus, if you will focus the presentation of what God's called your ministry to do, so that the only it's not it's not just the theme of your of your message, but it's everything. It's what the greeters are saying. You know, even even if I look at like guys like Bishop David Oyedepo and his church, they'll establish at the beginning of the year a call and response. You know, um, I'm trying to remember what the last year's was. It was my new dawn era. I'm trying to remember what they said. He would say, it is my new dawn era. And they would respond. And so it is mine by the grace of God or something like that. Uh, so it, he would actually create a call and response greeting. And I remember being at his meeting in Queens and even meeting people on the street. And it wasn't my new dawn era then. It was a one before that. And I would say to them, you know, I would just greet them with whatever the thing was. And any one of those people I saw walking to the meeting would respond with that call and response phrase. So it, you understand, it's like even in our minds, that's the confession coming out of our mouth, meaning even the greeters of your church could be greeting people in that themed fashion so that, that's the, that that is the feel they get when they come into the church. Then they come into the sanctuary and you're doing songs that are focused around that theme and vision. And then he gets up and preaches a message that's based around that theme and vision. And then the ministry time happens and it's based around that theme and vision. How much more a, a driven home do you think that point's gonna be when it's coming at people from every angle and it's unified in the presentation? So uh, when you're introducing new songs, take a minute to see, is this related to our vision? Is this something that matches our vision? Does it match our purpose and our calling? And if it doesn't, you know, you might want to rethink introducing that song to the church because your ultimate goal is what can I do to strengthen the vision that God's given our pastor? What can I do to strengthen the vision that God's given our pastor. Number three, the third effective way to intro these new songs, and this is, I've mentioned this before, you need to keep it in your mind. Once I know the pastor approves it, now obviously he should probably catch all this, but he may not listen to the, he may just listen to the tune or a few seconds of the song. Uh, and ultimately you're responsible for this, but not only does the pastor approve, not only is it vision related, but is the song scripturally accurate? Don't sing songs, please. I'm begging you, worship leaders across the country and in other nations. Please sing songs that are scripturally sound, that are doctrinally accurate. So we're not singing things that don't, you know, agree with what we believe about the Bible. 
it is a big deal. You know, go back and listen to my podcast episode entitled, Are We Singing Unscriptural Worship Songs? Go back and listen to that. It will do you good if you've not heard it. Are We Singing Unscriptural Worship Songs? It's the most listened to podcast that I have on this podcast channel. It's gotten more listens than any other episode. And I encourage you, if you haven't heard it, to go back and listen. Are we singing unscriptural worship songs? And it is vital that we sing, that what we sing is lined up with the word of God. Just as much as it's important, what we say is lined up with the word of God. So I would say, number three, you've got to make sure that the songs you're choosing and introducing are scripturally accurate, doctrinally sound, because it'll affect the way people believe. Because funny enough, people actually remember songs faster than they remember sayings. People can recall songs and 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 lyrics years and years later after having heard them or listened to them. People are still singing songs from the 70s right now, and they can recall the whole song and sing it to you. Why? Songs will stick with you. And songs can shape how you believe and you know, as a byproduct, how you speak and how you act. So it's important we get the right music on the inside of us that's going to have us confessing properly and believing properly. So that's number three. Number four, we get a little bit more practical. Um, I would say as you're introducing new worship songs, don't do it too often. I find that that's a mistake that a lot of people make in introducing new worship songs to the church. Don't do it too often. Uh, you don't want to introduce too many of these songs too quickly because one thing that happens is that you start to get confusion in your services. And I pray this isn't the story for your church, but they're telling us now that the average church member, church goer, only attends one out of the four services in the month. I'm talking about Sunday services. I mean, that's crazy. I was just talking to a church growth guy about this not long ago. And he said the new statistic is that the average churchgoer attends, you know, about one Sunday a month and they rotate. So you got people, you know, your crowd number may stay the same, but you got different people all the time. It's crazy. That's why they say now that, you know, if Easter's the biggest Sunday of the year, then um, the Sunday after Easter is normally for a lot of churches, the lowest attended Sunday of the year. And the reason for that is, all the people who come one Sunday a month all came on the same Sunday, which is Easter. So the next week, they all don't come back, and you've got the lowest Sunday of the month. It's a sad statistic, but it, you know, hopefully that's not the story of your church. But if we're just going by you know statistical analysis, think about this, that if you've got a person coming one Sunday out of the month, and you're introducing new songs every Sunday— they're going to come back the next month and not know any of the songs that you're singing in your praise and worship sets. And it's like, hold on a second. I, you know, I've been to services like that, by, by the way, and I leave the service. I'm like, dude, I didn't know one of the songs they did today, which is crazy for me because I grew up in church. I hear music all the time. I've left services and been like, Carolyn, did you know I didn't know one song that they sang today? I never heard any of those before. That's the danger because... Here's the key. As we're trying to gather people in with expectancy and you know put them in position to receive, if you are confusing people or you're distracting people by throwing too much new stuff at them, it actually will negatively impact your unity in a service. 
it will negatively impact your unity in a service. So what you have to do, that's why even in these camp meetings and stuff, we'll go back to the old stuff and sing hymns or sing songs that people grew up hearing. And why do we do that? Not because we can't sing anything new, but one of the benefits of doing that, everyone knows it. Everyone knows it. You know, if we do outdoor crusades many times, you know, I've done them all over the place. I've done them. My dad's done them. I've done them with my cousin. One of the things that we'll do is a lot of times before we preach, we'll sing something that everyone knows. Doesn't matter how many unsaved people are there. If you get up and sing Amazing Grace, you know, everyone, it's been in movies, it's been in TV shows, it's been on, you know, everyone pretty much has heard some form of amazing grace in their lifetime. So it's it's something that's, um, you know, they're like, oh yeah, I know, I've, I've heard that before. And many of them, it's it's not foreign, it's familiar. And so, the, you know, they can sing along. And it, trust me when I tell you, that unity factor is massive for getting into the spirit and bringing everybody into the same place to expect great things from God. Unity is massive. That's why I wrote a whole chapter on that in my book, Unhang Your Harp, when I was dealing with the power of praise and how it opens every door that God's uh, to the blessings God's plan for your life is because unity is a, a supernatural strength that will bring you into the blessings of the Lord. That's why the devil works so hard to bring disunity to the body of Christ because he knows if he can get you in a place of division, he can steal your blessings and he can steal the things God set aside for you. So, you know, the reason I focus on getting the whole congregation together, just remember this, please remember this. Um, Worship sets are not supposed to be a performance. They're not a concert. It's not a concert. Sunday morning, you know, your services, it's not an opportunity to have a worship concert. It is a place to do your very best to get the crowd to engage in worshiping God. I wrote this in the book. I'll say it to you. If you're praising, if you're leading praise and worship and whatever, and you look down and there's people all throughout the sanctuary with both hands on the front of the seat in front of them and just kind of looking around or scrolling their Instagram feed on their phone or, you know, talking to each other or not, you're, you're failing. You are failing in what you're supposed to be doing. You're supposed to engage that crowd and pull them into unity, unity of expectancy, unity of purpose, unity of vision, unity of praise and worship. That's our job. So you got to understand that if you're doing too much new stuff, then you're affecting your unity in a negative way. You're affecting your unity in a negative way. People are confused. They're all trying to quickly stare at the screens. Did I get this right? Am I, what, what are those words? I don't know these words. What is this song? I don't know the melody. I can't sing this. It's too high. It's too low. Whatever. Focus on bringing unity into your vision by not introducing new songs too often. Personally, I would say two new songs a month is plenty. That's my opinion. You might have a different opinion. You might have a church where they grab onto new music really quickly. That's your deal. I would say, practically my opinion would be two new songs a month is plenty. It's plenty, especially with that statistic I gave you earlier. It's plenty. Um, You know, as you're doing them, you know, make sure, here's part of it too, 
really work. Tech teams, if you're listening to this, you're part of a tech team. You run the words. You run the soundboard. You know, the overhead, if that's what your church is still on. Pro presenter, if you've moved up into the, you know, into the 21st century. If you're working with these, with your worship team on the tech staff, do your very, very best to have the words ready to go and to change the slides on time while they're singing the worship song. Don't let there be a five-second lag every time they go from verse to chorus. Don't get busy doing other stuff and not pay attention and forget to change. the. People don't know what to sing. They don't know what to sing. Stay on top of it. Tech teams, help the worship teams out and guide people through these new songs helpfully. If that means, you know, one of the things I think churches could benefit from, this is just kind of a side note, you don't have to put every word of verse one on the screen at the same time to where you'd had to, you had to drop it down to size 10 point font in order to fit the whole verse one on the screen at the same time. It's distracting for the people watching and then they have to squint their eyes. You know, half of almost nobody has 2020 vision anymore. So they're trying to figure out what in the world did man. It's like, it's a huge block of paragraph text because you put the whole thing on one slide. Don't do that. Break the verses down into three or four slides, you know, so that the words are big and easy to read and well-spaced on the screen so that people don't have to struggle to read them, you know, and, and make it as easy as possible for the people in the church to engage with the new song. You know, easy to read on the screens, easy to remember. You're not throwing too many new songs at them a month. They can handle it. It's easy. Songs, And then, you know, as you're doing that and not introducing too many songs too quickly, I'll jump to number five. The fifth effective way to introduce new songs is, the, and this would help you with the ease, is I suggest in, at, some, at some points, introduce a song in stages. Now, I may, I may get some people that disagree with me here on this, but I will tell you that I've done this and it's an effective way to get a song into the spirits of people before you truly introduce it. So for example, let me give you let me give you a breakdown of how I would employ this thought. Let's say that next week I'm going to introduce a brand new song to the church. I've been practicing it with the band and the choir whatever. One of the things I might do is take the chorus or take the bridge from the new song coming up next week and tag it onto a song that everyone knows that maybe is in the same key at the same speed or whatever. Or maybe just do it as a standalone, as a transitionary thing between songs. You know, let's let's take, for example, um, I don't even know the title of the song. That's how bad I am. But there's a song that Elevation Worship does. And, um, you know, there's the portion of the song you should know. I'm sure you know it. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And I believe I see you do it again. Okay. You made a way where there was no way. And I believe I see you do it again. Um, I think it's called do it again. I'm not sure. Sorry if I messed that up. But anyway, that's, that's that part of the song from that, from that elevation worship song. Okay. Let's say that was the new song you were going to teach next week in its fullness. Just take that portion right there. I've seen you move. You move the mountains. And tag it on 
to another song, you know, if you can do it. Let's just say, I don't know. I'm just, I'm, this is literally coming off the top of my head. So if it doesn't work, it doesn't work. But you have time to plan. But let's just say we're doing like, our God is greater. Our God is stronger. I've seen you move. You know, you move the mountains. And I believe our God is greater. So let's say that that worked together well enough that you could do it live. You do Our God by Chris Tomlin in your service. And then when you're coming to the end of it, and if our God is for us, let's say you kind of end it or you're transitioning, maybe break in with the band and, you know, obviously let, let everyone know you're going that direction and, uh, you know, treat it almost like it's a, a, a prophetic declaration over the crowd. I want you guys to repeat this with me, you know, blah, blah, blah. I want, and then, you know, if you have to exhort a little bit to get into it, you know, exhort. How many know our God can do a great, greater than anything we can ask, think, verbalize, imagine? Our God has the ability. And you were just singing our God, so it transitions well. And then you go, I've seen you move. And you, they just put that part up on the screens. And, and you got the band playing it, but you're not going to go into the rest of the song. You're just going to hit that one part. Get it into the spirit of your people. And you're not teaching them the whole song. But you're it actually because that's a confession of faith. You know, you know, I'm gonna I'll see you do it again. I'm expect I'm expecting great things from God. You're, you're number one. You're doing a few things. Number one, you're building an expectancy in that service. It's a catchy song, so it's gonna stick. That part's gonna stick in their spirit. And most likely, what's gonna happen is that they're they're gonna leave singing it. <laughs> you know, it's crazy how they can do that. Songs can be written for the purpose of sticking inside. I just took my kids to see the new Lego movie, the Le Lego movie too. They literally wrote a song for that movie to get stuck inside your head. And that was exactly what the song was called. And literally it's got that kind of like four on the floor beat at like 120 beats per minute. And, and I left there for the next two days singing, this song's going to get stuck inside you. This song's going to get stuck inside you. This song's going to get stuck inside. Hey. And I mean, like that just repeats and repeats throughout the Lego movie. And then you come home, you're still singing it. And me and my girls are in the car. This song's going to get stuck inside you. This song's going to get, and you're sitting there singing it. And it's like, it doesn't get out. So these songs are written and they'll stick in your spirit. Uh, you know, and you're in there, I've seen you move. You do the thing with the congregation. It's stuck in their spirit. They go home singing it. It's in their spirit all week. Some of them be like, man, what song was that? They'll look it up on Apple Music, Spotify, iTunes. They buy it. They're listening to it. It's already in their spirit. You come back next week, you got less work to do because they already know a portion of the song because you sang it last week. So I would, I would encourage you also, number five, introduce a song in stages. It'll help you. You'll have less work to do uh, as you go throughout. Now, I don't recommend you like you teach the verse one week, teach the chorus the next week, teach the, but like, you know, in, intro it by just giving them a taste. Maybe it's the chorus. Just do the chorus with the, with the congregation one Sunday and then the next week do the whole song, but make it less work for them, less work for you and help yourself as you intro these new songs to your congregation as you do. I know it'll work out really well and then you're not going to be overwhelmed and they're not going to be overwhelmed and you'll be able to effectively um, transition new stuff into your uh, flow or your rotation uh, every now and then without an issue and you've got all these bases covered so the pastor's happy, the vision's being taken care of, you know, the God's happy because it, <laughs> it obviously lines up with his word, you know, and then also 
the people aren't overwhelmed. So it'll be a huge help to you. If you guys have any questions, I want you to write me. You can send me a message on Twitter at T Shuttlesworth. You can send me a direct message on Instagram at Ted Shuttlesworth. Um, you can pretty much find me anywhere there is to be found. I'm not on MySpace. Don't try to find me there. But I would love to hear if you guys have follow-up questions, whatever it is. I would love, love, love to hear from you. Hope this helped you today. I'm going to pray for you. God, I pray in Jesus' name that not only will they be more effective in their gift, their flow, not only will they be more uh, organized, but Lord, let us be more on fire than we've ever been. Not just organized, Lord, we don't need more systems. We need the power of the Holy Ghost. So Lord, stir us up to do what we've been called to do with the power of your Spirit in Jesus' name. Let our praise and our worship take us to another level. I pray that people would start getting healed and delivered, just like in the in the word of God, as we praise and as we worship. Nobody laid hands on them, anointed them with oil, put a prayer cloth on them. Just the power of our praise and worship. Let that be our story in 2019 in Jesus' name. We thank you for it. Give you praise. Amen. Listen, I love you guys so much. If you're not registered for Worship Summit yet, shame on you. It's coming up May 7th through the 10th. You want to be there. It's going to be insanely good. 18 free sessions plus two VIP sessions, uh, a live concert recording, question and answer, everything. It's going to be killer. Go to southeastworship.com. Go to southeastworship.com and sign up today. Get down here to South Florida, May 7th through 10. That's a Tuesday through a Friday. All the uh, frequently asked questions are on the site. All the recommendations, hotels, airports, everything, you can find it there. And I will see you in sunny South Florida in just a few months. I love you guys so much. Don't forget, until next time, goodness and mercy are following you for the rest of your life. I'll talk to you soon. We would love for you to join us in a live service. To find out when Ted Shuttlesworth Jr. will be near you, please visit our website at www.miracleword.com.